You're listening to And what is poppin'? You are listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 183. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Um, welcome back to my co-hosts, the once and future professional Asian American Just Ju, and our most professional culture editor, Han Wei. Hi, hey, Marvin. Should I say hi, hi, based on our <laughs> last... Hi, hi just reminds me of, like, the AIM days. Yeah, but if you say hey, hey, I think of the, the chicken from Moana, so... Oh, yeah. Mm. That was an Alan Tudor character. Right? It was the Alan Tudor character, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess it's technically our Valentine's Day episode, even though we're a week past. But in honor of this year's Valentine's Day, we are watching and discussing Five Blind Dates, um, the latest Asian, I guess, Australian rom-com. Yes. Um, yes. Now yes. streaming on Amazon Prime. Actually, we recorded our last episode past Valentine's Day, right? Yeah, I can't remember. It's it's every day should be Valentine's Day if you're yeah. doing it right, Marvin. <laughs> and also, if we're talking like Lunar New Year, it's red. It's, it's that's love. true. <laughs> I mean, technically, last week we did um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is also can be kind of like a romancy rom com type sure. show. So you know, it's it's our it's our Valentine's Day slash Lunar New Year um, ongoing celebration. Let's say, but uh, yeah, excited okay, to. Uh, kind- Dumb question, but is Valentine's Day like a big deal in Australia? You know what? I hear, so I don't know about Australia. I should ask my Australian friends, um, but I do know it is significantly different in Asian countries. Um, I think you're asking the wrong question. I think the real <laughs> question is, has capitalism reached Australia? Well, yes. capitalism and commercialism comes Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, so my guess is yes. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> okay. probably. Yeah. Got it. Thanks for clearing that up for me. <laughs> yeah. Follow the money. Always follow the money. That's sadly true. Uh, but before we get to um, five blind dates, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Uh, Jess, start with you. What's popping? So I haven't been able to watch a lot of content. It's been busy at work. And I'm not going to lie. I got my professional wedding photos back. And they yeah. are so overwhelming in terms of just the quantity you get. I, I can't. I just can't. I can't. Like, that's that's all I need to deal with. And I can't do it. It's like this looming guillotine over my head. But <laughs> I did get a way to watch a real live theatrical performance over the long weekend. I caught the whiz wow. at the Pantage. And I feel kind oh, of bad gosh. because it was the last weekend. It was a really short run. They're doing a pre-Broadway tour, oh, which I don't know if that's typical and normal or why they've decided to do it but it was fan fucking tastic it's been yeah it's been a few decades i guess since the whiz has been mounted for those of you who don't know it is a musical written in the 70s that is a basically black american take on wizard of oz so you get a lot of really fun and and they've updated it so amber ruffin of the black lady sketch show wrote some additional Mm. materials i haven't seen the original original so i don't know how much is different but like the script is very good it's very funny um you know it's culturally relevant without being too cliche or like gross um it being in the audience it was it was probably the most diverse audience i've ever sat in for like a major 
production, like a like a touring like Pantage production. You know, obviously smaller API shows were like my bread and butter for a while, but it was really it was a great energy, totally sold out, and the cast is incredible. So Nichelle Nichelle Lewis, who plays Dorothy, is making her Broadway debut, twenty four, and insane. This woman who can can you you think like they're belting like this this show is insane okay okay as someone if you're a musical theater person you're just like and and you kind of understand or like appreciate the technical aspects of things you just like i'm just sitting there i'm like what the fuck like this show is just seems a lot harder to perform than your typical Broadway show because this cast has to sing, act, and dance for like two and a half hours, like at the same time. You know, a lot of Broadway stars don't, you don't necessarily have to be a great dancer. Like you can be a good mover and they kind of build that choreography around you or like you will stand in place, like move a little bit while singing or like gesticulate while singing while like the dancers dance around you. No, this show, they were like, Fuck that. We all know you can dance and sing and act at the same time. So we're going to make you do that. You know, the ease on down the road, the yeah. very famous kind of like interlude um, from The Wiz when they're, you know, they kind of repeat it over and over in the show as they are walking down the yellow brick road. Like that is a legit like it's like a poppy belted song that the characters do full choreography while singing. And I'm literally just like, it's a, it's a podcast. You can't see my face. But I was literally just going to be like, oh, my God. Like, how are they doing that? Like, everyone was amazing. The, the, all the actors, Tin Man, Scarecrow, Lion, fantastic. I would really recommend if you're ever in New York, check it out. Um, or if you happen to be in a city where they're going to, the tour is going to stop, check it out. We didn't, Wayne Brady is supposed to be the wizard. We did not get Wayne Brady, but that's fine. Still really fun. And yeah. And, but here's the weird thing. So Dorothy, 16, right? Michelle Lewis, obviously not 16, but like plays, plays like young, sweet girl very well in this like fan. It's a fantasy. So you, we don't have to like, yeah, she doesn't have to like exactly look 16, but you understand, or like young, but you understand like Dorothy is a child and she meets these friends along the way. So, like with Tin Man, uh, with Scarecrow and with Lion, just great, warm, like friend, brother energy. I think the actor who plays Tin Man and Nichelle Lewis, who's playing Dorothy, are fucking in real life. Oh, there was a really awkward tension, or like I felt something when they were like in the scenes together, and I'm like, this is weird because she doesn't have this with the Tin Man, or the, she doesn't have this with the Scarecrow or the uh, <laughs> the Lion, mm. and um, it's it was like kind of funny because I'm just like, yeah, she's supposed to be a kid. And, you know, it says in the script that he was like a lumberjack man who was turned into a Tin Man and like has a family somewhere. Mm. <laughs> but he, Tin Man does get a really, really great song about feelings oh. and how to feel your feelings. And I'm like, I, I feel that. <laughs> um, so, again, really great. Again, feel like kind of a dick because, you know, if you are living in L.A., it's kind of gone already. But you should maybe that's a lesson for the future to look out for things like this and support live theater. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I feel the same way for, so on Broadway right now in New York, um, 
Lola Tung from The Summer I Turned Pretty is taking on the role of Eurydice for Hades now, but only until March 17th. So I have sad I won't be able to catch that. Yeah. And Jordan Fisher, I think, is Orpheus. He's been Orpheus for a few months now, I think. Right? I'm very talented, but like, I'm, I'm going to be real, guys. Like, I always said this. When you have an when you have an ethnic show, for lack of a better term, when you basically have a non-white show, non-white cast, your talent is usually pretty, like, like kind of above and beyond, like what you would expect from like a touring or like, <laughs> or like you know, a broader production that's been on for a few years. Because it's just like they, you know, most it's still unfortunate, but a lot of like really great talent doesn't get the chance to do the lead stuff. So, like, just the, like, level of talent in this cast, like, like, there are multiple times where they just keep going higher, and then she starts using, like, her, like, whistle tone, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm like, who else can, like, like, can, who else is doing this? Like, who else can do this? Like, are your fatines gonna do this? No, I don't, I don't think so. So yeah, just that's why Lion King tours are always really incredible. By the way, um, so yeah, it's just just kind of you, yeah, you kind of see the thing where you know, like Colt, you know, we understand that you're you have to be twice as good to get half the credit, but I'm trying to give them all their credit because they are phenomenal. Or you can be cast in the racist ones like Miss Saigon, Miss Saigon, or like you know the uh, Book of Mormon, which was like the hit for a few years and i probably would have like you know it's a job but like that's probably not as fun as doing something like the whiz or doing something you know i know hamilton is cringe now but even like hamilton at least you get to play like characters um and you get to sing and you get to be the lead i'm honestly upset that it was so brief that i didn't get to see it myself because that is a, a show i enjoyed when i was a kid um, so I definitely would have loved to have checked it out. And I do try to go to Pantages like at least once or twice a year. So bummer. Yeah, I mean I mean, and real people know where to park for free, right? For the Pantage. So I always <laughs> I got free parking, so I was very pleased. Oh, All around do, a great night. I do the metro. So I just walk across oh, the street. So responsible. Uh it's also I have a metro down the street from me so i yeah chose this must place be nice to be within the service area of the metro center. yeah no seriously i chose this place for a reason so i mean hopefully it'll be all cleaned up by the time the olympics roll around because i hear paris is gonna be a total shit show yeah i'm sure it will be they are not ready I, <laughs> and it's coming up in like a couple months well that was at tca uh nbc was presenting and i was just like all i know is the one thing i'm looking forward to is snoop doing commentary so Oh, I oh. thought you were about to say the inevitable Top Chef tie-in. Well, possibly. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see if that happens. That's true. I think they, they stopped doing some of those things, but like, no, I think the Olympics, they can't resist. Well, I mean, it's been two years Yeah, they the can't resist one. the Olympics. Sorry. Remember when right. they made their finalist ski to like get ingredients? <laughs> I, You know what? This might inspire a story, this uh, at Salon because I was just talking about coverage of the season and so we were trying to figure out what would work so uh, yeah. if, if it happens I will let you know okay it's coming up <laughs> we're excited um Han speaking of being excited what's popping with you uh let's see if I can sell this to you first of all this is a Thai dystopian rom-com 
Okay, okay. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a mix of Creamery, Hunger Games, and The Bachelor. Okay, yes, yes, okay, yes, still in, still <laughs> the in. The colors are like candy colored, you know, uh, aesthetic. So think sort of like the um, Squid Game aesthetic in places. And then the last thing is it's only six episodes. So um, I binged this. Like I actually had to stop myself from finishing it in one night because, of course, I had like to work um, and sleep. Um, but it was uh, it was a very fast um, binge. But let me give s- set up the actual premise besides like throwing a bunch of words at you. Um, so basically, it is set in an alternative uh, alternate future. Um, apparently, 50 years ago in 1974, the male population started dwindling. Um, sound familiar? This is where I get the creamery things going on. Um, and then so now fast forward to 50 years currently, 2024. Um, the pop the male population is so like limited that any male babies have to be raised on a compound known as the farm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and any of the more viable, attractive ones get to be on a reality show, a reality competition show, where women vie to be their spouses and get to procreate. Um, and uh, most of the time, it ends up being a a um a benefit of the wealthy and privileged who end up pairing with these men um but this one uh season we watch is there is a lottery system and so one person gets to be picked from a lo- uh, among the sort of hoi polloi um and that is where our uh main protagonist comes in her name is day um she just does a bunch of jobs but currently she is working at like a mini mart and her uh slightly younger sister may uh is uh like cancer patient whatever so very plucky you know she clearly needs health care and um so she takes part of this not only because she got chosen in the lottery but because if you marry into that you know one of the gentlemen that's one of the contestants um then you not only get to be in that family but you get all the great health care so it starts off very ridiculous over the top cheesy colorful uh loud and you're kind of like what is this corny stuff uh if you're not familiar with thai stuff that is if you're familiar with thai series you're going to be like oh i get it but then as it goes along they go deeper into you know the the problems with the system inherent in the system who's privileged who isn't um but also the idea that like because there are more women in the world they're you know kind of like with creamery there's going to be more same-sex you know, couples, um, but also it, what happens when one of, you know, when they have a male baby. Um, and so there's uh, some sneaky stuff going around. There are there is an underground uh, rebels, you know, with a radio station, of course, as is required in a dystopian um, sort of world. And there is there is a main romance, um, but there is also a sneaky uh, BL sort of romance for those Thai people who <laughs> kind of need that in their ties and stuff. So um, I think the ending, it will be somewhat satisfying for most people. So just to let you know, but uh, they also did add an extra thing to make, leave it open-ended enough that if they wanted a sequel, they will get one. So um, yeah, uh, I highly recommend it. The first episode, actually, I was shocked at how addictive and fun i found it because they they made the gameplay pretty interesting um the the lead is plucky you know and all this other stuff um 
And they really play on like the idea of people being stands of these ridiculous men um, who are just known for being good looking, basically, um, because they they have fun with the fact that later on um, day and the main guy who she's sort of paired with is his name is son is that he can't. He's trying to be all, you know, chivalrous and like pick up her luggage and bring it into the, you know, place, but it's too heavy for him. <laughs> and she's and she's just like, what's wrong? And but you know, she lets him do it because he's the man. Um, so he's lived a life of, you know, like not just privilege, but like ease. And it that shows. So there's a lot of other very cute, funny moments. Um, there are a couple actors who people, if you know, who watch BL will recognize them. But other than that, yeah, I I found it to be just a far more enjoyable experience than I expected. I kind of was like worried about it. Um, And I was glad that they, you know, they didn't go super deep, but they went a lot deeper than I expected on the um, inherent social issues. But yeah, so I highly recommend it. Well, all this in six episodes. Uh, That's impressive. The last two episodes, I do think they packed a little bit. In I was disappointed in the final uh, game they had to play. I think uh, the other games were great, very fun. Um, but you know what? I get it. Like kind of like with Squid Game, the final game there is kind of like, uh, so they just had to get it done um, and get to the rest of the plot. And so, yeah, that's that was beside the point, I think. But yeah, I, they packed it in um, and they put a lot of budget into this. So, you know what? Thai shows get that Netflix money because Thai shows are often you know, sort of seen as lower budget. And so a lot of their um, their storylines are more domestic, you know, or maybe set in a college. <laughs> so things that are th- that and there's not that much fantastical stuff going on. There are a few there are a few fantastical, you know, Thai series out there, but usually it's like ghosts. Um, so this one is like the sets are insane. Um, you definitely see some of that Squid Game, you know, influence here. So, yeah, I I recommend it, for, especially since it's not as heavy as Squid Game. <laughs> you know, maybe some people will find that, you know, a deterrent. But if you do want something lighter and um, pokes fun at like boy bands and influencers and stuff like that. Um, and the ridiculous way that reality shows are produced. All of that is in here. So, yeah, I think it's a good job. Oh, yeah. I want to check it out. Yeah. I'm Definitely traveling late this week, so you know, six episodes, <laughs> perfect. Download. That's that's one way. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. Where can we watch this again? Netflix. Oh. It's, that's that's why I was just like surprised because Netflix has only a few Thai shows, and the last one I watched was pretty good, but I didn't finish it just because it it got a little heavy. Um, but they definitely give the uh the budget to make these things um way. I don't know, way better than um usually expect. Um and this is not to trash tie, you know, regular tie shows. Like they just, you know, are are cranked out and they don't have the budget, you know, but this one clearly does. So yeah. Enjoyable. Yeah. And so that is mine. Um, Marvin, what is popping with you? What is popping is Unicorn Overlord. What? Which when I say that, what do you think it is? Like um, you're a fascist, but you're cute. <laughs> of <laughs> uh, rainbows maybe <laughs> i don't no, know you have to a- you have to oppress all the other horses <laughs> or equines <laughs> well unicorn overlord is a video oh. game actually um it is a 
upcoming strategic RPG by Vanillaware, uh, which is a um, video game developer known for their um, graphic style mixing 3D and 2D um, art. Um, they were previously known for their game 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which was a, uh, a mecha game. And so Unicorn Overlord is a tactical strategic RPG. Um, you play as the exiled prince of a fallen kingdom leading a resistance army against an oppressive empire. And so the gameplay is kind of like a mix of... Fire Emblem and Final Fantasy Tactics. And uh, for those of you who play these types of games, you know exactly what that means. Um, you control armies of units that you give orders to in real time. And when you encounter an enemy unit, um, it turns into a tactical um, turn-based auto battle system uh, where um, your units follow orders that you set down beforehand. And all this um, taking place in a beautifully rendered um, world using Vanillaware's, again, their 2D, 3D um, art style. Um, the demo just came out today um, and should be available now for all platforms, um, Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox, um, with the full game coming out um, later in early March. And I've been having a lot of fun. And I am excited to um, get this game when it comes out next month um, on my Switch. It seems like the perfect game to like jump in and play when you're you know, laying in bed or traveling on the plane. Mm. Um and it really does look beautiful. Um, one of the best things is, so in the game, um, you can buy meals for your team to build bonds between your characters. And those meals are rendered in beautiful anime food quality. <laughs> oh, hmm. Very mm. lead there. Okay. So I am, I will admit, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you don't actually get to be a unicorn. Yeah, um, me too. You don't know. You might. You, so your main character has an heirloom ring that ha- carries the power of the unicorn, which in this world is like a deified uh, uh, or is a deity. So I don't know. I'm I'm ho- I'm still holding a hope that you'll transform into a unicorn at some point because their last game was all about fighting kaiju's and mechs. So yes. you know, the the pedigree is there, and the, their game before that was about dragons. So hmm. you know, okay. At some okay. point, there probably will be a giant unicorn. No yeah, one can know. Okay, okay. That makes that that makes sense. You have to yeah. you have to work up to it. Fine. Yeah. So that's one thing that's popping. The other thing is then this is my recommendation for you guys. Um, since I know you guys aren't big action gamers or RPG gamers. Um, there's a I think I talked about this game about a year ago. Um, it's called Pentiment, um, developed by Obsidian, and it's finally being ported over to Switch and PlayStation. Um, it used to be a Xbox exclusive, and it's an adventure game that takes place in um, early Renaissance Bavaria. You play as a apprentice illuminator mm-hmm. working at a abbey who ends up being tasked with solving a series of murders that take place in the abbey. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so it's an adventure game where you go around talking to people, gathering evidence and, you know, making accusations all through the lens of like an early Renaissance era. And the game takes place over the course of 25 years. And it's a lot of fun. Okay. I think you guys would really Ooh, like monk it. Monk murders. Solving monk murders? Hell yes. Yeah. 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 Medieval murders. Yeah. Just as someone who is like an art history enjoyer, I think you would really enjoy mm. this one. How fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out too. It comes out tomorrow, um, so Thursday of this week. So by the time you hear this episode, it will be out on um, game stores everywhere. Hmm. So yeah, highly recommended. I had a lot of fun, and it's a really funny game too. So um, I think you would like it. But yeah, that's what's popping. Just more video games. I'm still I'm still playing Hell Divers when I can get in, um, <laughs> bringing democracy across the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in between, you know, I'm fighting empires and you know fighting both for and against empires depending on the game i play you know well good for you i'm glad that it's still going <laughs> that strong <laughs> yes 
All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about five blind dates. Stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luniang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, Ryan. Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we are continuing our Valentine's Day series, I guess, um, with Five <laughs> Blind Dates, a new rom-com streaming now on Amazon Prime Video, starring Shang Hu, um, Yosun An, Desmond Cham, Tai Ma, and more. Um, it is a story about Leah, who is a proprietor of an artisan tea store in Sydney, Australia, who goes back to her hometown of Townsville to attend her sister's wedding and ends up agreeing to go on five blind dates because of a fortune teller who tells her that um, one of those five dates will be her soulmate. So, yeah, it's a story about a professional woman going back to the town she left behind um, and finding love. So altogether, not the most original of rom-com <laughs> setups, but sometimes that's exactly what you're looking for. Right. So, um. What do we all think of Five Blind Dates? Um, I was okay with it. The thing is, look, sometimes you just want a cute rom-com. And so it had moments of that. And they definitely were leaning into the wacky comedy. But it did feel uneven. Some of it felt like a throwback. Some of it was like, oh, this is trying too hard. Some of it actually surprised me and made me laugh. So there was a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I, the familiar plot was not the thing that like i i didn't expect much from that part so it was just more of the dressing you know the uh, window dressing that i was kind of like let's see how that goes but i kind of feel like that's what we want sometimes right? yeah rom-com just like give us give us the give us the goods but in new flavors right it, it's, it's <laughs> yes the, yeah just like austin jane austen right just yes. however you do it i i love a formula like call me call me like a pharmacist again love a formula i don't mind a formula i that's actually why if i'm wrong come so comforting i should say and rewatchable yeah but when you are doing something that is based solely on like formula mm -hmm. then 
it's when it's so simple or like when it's so like obvious, there's nowhere to hide, right? So the execution has to be mm-hmm. immaculate and you know, there's some parts where I'm just like, mm, the budget was not there. Because, uh, again, I think part of the rom-com joy is the window dressing and mm-hmm. the clothing and the yep. sets and the, you know, prop lifestyle propaganda yep. stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. And, and or the performance. And, you know, like, there were some really fun performances, really fun to see some friends. I thought some of the like wacky characters were successful, some less so, but yeah, like it just, it, you know, when, again, when it's that bare, when it's that simple, it it's going to ride or die on that central like couple. <laughs> and if, you know, the great ones are like fire mm-hmm. and, you know, the okay ones are okay. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't like, then the rom-com doesn't work. So I thought it was like, it was fine. I, I thought, you, you know, I wrote in the notes, Yosan could have chemistry with a rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yosan on the, um, the love interest in Creamery. Just yeah. great, great eyes. Like every time I see him, he's just like eye fucking something. And yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> great, great vibes. I love how that's your niche. Um, But like him and Shu, like that central relationship, I don't know if it was developed enough. Nah. to like really under care or or maybe she maybe she played it a little too unhinged in the beginning <laughs> right? to like understand like why they should be together um because you know that's obviously where it was going yeah. so like you know that, that i don't think that's you know was maybe a little rough but then the format of like her crazy dating and like you know like her family finding her these five dates and like kind of, mm-hmm. I thought that some of the silly parts were like actually very very fun. Yeah, like, the fortune teller. I love Ty as degenerate dad. Oh my god, he was so great, and also he was like if we're talking about the fantasy of rom coms, who which Ty dad has to be your dad? Well, also not even that, but just like which dad is so good at like dating apps that he knows what he's doing, but then also can drop you a pin. Um, to tell you where to go. <laughs> I was just like, this guy is just like solid. He knows what I he's mean, doing. here's the thing, right? Dads these days, especially like for like let's say dads of millennials and below, um, they grew up with computers. They were the first to do spreadsheets and emails. So I mean Maybe. old people these days are Maybe. better at technology than I- when we were younger <laughs> maybe i and mean how come my dad can't text okay like still yeah, i was still. about to say my, my parents are not like that or at least they weren't um but also my parents are older so that's why i don't want to necessarily like include them but i'm like <laughs> he's supposed to be around 60 i feel right yeah so i don't know i don't know a lot of 60 year old people who can do this unless that's their job maybe I it mean, is his job my dad's like Oh, your dad. Almost 70. And he was always the first to, like, he was the first one in our family to get digital cameras. He was oh. the first to get a laptop. He was the first to use, like, he was using Lotus 123. I mean, Excel even existed. Like, I mean, your parents, think, your parents say, I love you also, right? So I don't, <laughs> like, I don't understand this, these parents. So you, your parents seem to be uniquely uh, um, very cool and, and, and in touch with the world. Um, yeah, my mom definitely needs to use WeChat less. Because. I I do have one hot take about one of the dates. The dates I have to say are fairly entertaining, or at least some of them are. But so my hot take is that Desmond's character, who is the rich, you know, dude who basically wants to buy her as his uh, wife, that and he can have his um, partners yeah, on the side, like his 
money beard? Like what was like? Yeah, obviously he's like <laughs> basically his legitimate beard because he's gonna have kids with her too. But he actually is a polyamorous, uh, like poly. Well, I don't even say bisexual, pansexual. Possibly he wants so, his deviant. You know his his. Yeah, he, he wants to fuck around right? regardless yeah. of who. He wants to fuck around, but he needs to have like the legitimacy of like a family and like a wife to take around. For, yeah, like, business. and I will say that like not that he would want my old ass, but I would take this. <laughs> I would take this deal. I would be like. The only thing I would negotiate is like, well, you know, get me a surrogate and then we can like talk kids because I was like, I will be your arm candy. I will do all this like <laughs> whatever, like you're going to pay me to like just live in luxury. Sure. Why not? And like that. And then also I'm assuming I could have my people on the side. So <laughs> that would have been the, it. Like first date. I'm down. Done. Movie's over. So <laughs> Yeah. It's your classic oh, power marriage, like same, uh, like Tom same. Tom and Shiv from yep. Succession. Yep, yep. I'd be like, that's a good deal. Like, yeah, there you <laughs> dad was right. Enter marriages with less, okay? So mm-hmm. like less love and less resources. So a hundred percent. Um, uh, my well, favorite date was actually, or my favorite setup was actually a um, little teacher boy. Who, yes, so spoiler good. has the hots for her mom. Um, I was dying. <laughs> that was because- really good. Yeah, because the thing is, he's like, he's almost too perfect. And so they have a great date. And so I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because we know she needs to get with her old boyfriend. Right. And so I'm just like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And then and they start kissing. And I was like, why are you kissing this early? Like, this is a first date. And then when he says her mom's name, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I know. I mean, that was, do it. That was great. You had to know that all five of these dudes were kind of, were probably some sort of freak, right? Right, right. They were just going to be inappropriate in a wildly obvious way. But on a initial looking, you can't figure it out. So it's always just kind of like waiting. What's going on? What's going on here? Um, but, and then, you know, like, it, but that was probably my favorite one because that really actually did take me by surprise. Good times. <laughs> well, we talked about the formula of a rom-com. So I'm curious uh, for, for you to ask rom-com connoisseurs, how was the formula? How were the components, the, 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 um, what you call it? The variables in this rom-com formula. How do those work for you? We have city girl, professional city girl goes back home to her hometown. Um, what did you think about the career? Tea shop owner. That did feel very heavy handed in yes. the we are going to do cultural things mm-hmm. and, you know, grandma spirit, which, you know, isn't it's it's done. It's just maybe a, it felt a little more hallmarky than I think it needed to in this context. And girl, I'm sorry, I'm on the other people's side. Mm-hmm. You should at least do takeaway. And mm-hmm. what is wrong with bubble tea? Like, yeah, it's fine. You need a you need a business plan. Yeah, it, I mean, it was weird. she has to start off as the uptight professional lady, right? I, I mean, part of the rom-com formula of going to back home to your hometown in small town Australia is becoming less uptight, right? Yeah, but I think maybe I wanted it uptight in a different way than her being committed to a dying sort of like business plan, because there's no way she would have been able to afford that shop, right? And so, like, maybe she did that and like invested in let's say bubble tea also on the side but would not give up something and then i would have been like okay i kind of see that but this is just like 
I'm uh. also very confused. I do not have Australian cultural context. Okay. Number one, thought Townsville was literally a joke. Like, oh, is it real? Townsville's a real city. I did not know that because uh. Townsville sounds fake and made up, like generic town name. I did not know it was real. Yeah, it's okay. real, apparently. <laughs> Townsville City. And Townsville looks pretty fucking big from the overhead shots we got. I'm like, did you really have to move to Sydney? To like, this is not like a bumfuck town. Mm. It's like a smaller city. It's like a second city, but this isn't like I'm sure you could have sold tea in Townsville. So that one, that just the the Australianness. I'm like, I I don't understand, you know. And my and Raymond was also like, oh, Townsville, like wow, they really they really <laughs> couldn't come up with anything. And we googled it, we're like, oh fuck, it's real. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry to the people of Townsville. I guess that's Australia for you. Um. Which I don't even know what that means, that comment I just said. But um, what I'm just curious, are the accents slightly different for some of them since, you know, they're Australian? Are any of the younger cast perhaps maybe ha- like speaking? I do not feel comfortable discussing this because I do not know. I okay. do not have the co- no, co- no have Australian the context. context yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. So um, because, of course, I would not know uh, at all. So, okay. Interesting. And we can't talk about the Chinese accents or the The Chinese was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the Mandarin was was pretty good. So no complaints there. I will say one thing I really did enjoy, which I don't think was intended, was the Australian accent has become a bit of a joke online. Uh-huh. Like in a loving way. But basically the internet loves to make fun of Australians because they say no, no. And uh, every yes. time that happened in the no. movie, I couldn't help but giggle. I was like, no. I'm like, oh, God. Like, it's it's real. Like, it's real. I knew it was real. But wow, that is that yes. is what it sounds like. Two, two of the stray kids are Australian. And so uh, whenever I watch those videos, because that's the one K-pop group I follow, <laughs> um, the captions are always entertaining when they caption the Australian. Um, but yeah, no, no, more, no, no. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, if I ever take up voice acting, Australia is going to be the one of the worst ones for me. So, um, I'm trying to think what else is on the, um, oh, and yeah. if we're talking about formula, the one thing I will kind of agree with Jess is that there weren't enough good cute moments, um, either in flashback with um Yosun's character or in the current day when they're supposed to be spending time together a lot of it i felt like was him observing her and i was just a like a lot of yeah. longing looks but not yeah. a lot of like i need interaction interactions. i needed yeah, yeah i needed to feel chemistry dynamic you know them bickering more whatever yeah. it was you know. i mean they were baking on just a raw magnetism of Yosun which is not wrong and his abs <laughs> they got him to take his shirt off which yeah. i'm like great job Thank you. Thank you. The <laughs> Jenga scene was pretty cute. Um, yeah. But wanted more yeah. of that. Yeah. They just, they like, just, they, they they just needed, needed more of them. Yeah. They needed to be like put together. And I, I feel like that I saw where the story was trying to get them, you know, when he comes over to mm-hmm. make what what are they making? Boop, boop, boobaneers? Boop. Yeah. Bonteries? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's, yeah. It's basically the British version of the. Uh, um, what's it called? The gift that you give to people at weddings. Favors? Yeah, like favors. So yeah, it's basically that version. Um, and I forgot the name. I think it's French. So 
I was just like, what is this? I'm like, is this another Australian thing I don't understand? Uh, not just Australian. I think it is. Like, I think you can bring it up in, to British folk. So maybe the Commonwealth <laughs> would know. Um, yeah, that's true. All right. So I want to talk about another part of the rom-com formula that this um, movie uses, which is the gay best friend. Um, what do we think about that? Uh, I did have a problem with that. And this is where I was like texting you guys like, is this from the 80s? Um, but that's also might be something to do with foreign stuff, because I do know sometimes like the 80s aesthetic is sometimes embraced longer overseas than it has been in the in the U.S. But the gay best friend, you know, obviously gay best friends happen. But I did feel that there were a lot of stereotypes that they were just leaning really far into um, to the point where they didn't feel like many of the times the gay people didn't feel like people and they felt a bit too caricatured. It'd be one thing if it was just like one, but it was like three of them. Um, the best friend did become a person at some point, um, which was good. But yeah, a lot of it was definitely played for over the top, you know, colorfulness. Yeah, I definitely felt like the film, especially in the first third, um, before we get to the blind dates, gave a lot of um, TV movie vibes, like from the cheesiness mm-hmm. of the scenes to the music. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's that. there's nothing wrong with that. But it de- because I guess it was on Amazon, it felt like, it kind of wanted to be something else, too. And so, like, that happens on Netflix, too. Netflix has definitely hired the same people that do Hallmark movies. Um, <laughs> but they throw a bit more budget into it. And so that you do get that distance sometimes. Or that you get or you get the magic of, um, of what's that, people having a, a, a lookalike cousin. Uh, some of them work out, but this one kind of felt a little rough. Yeah, but then once the once the dates got started, I, I found myself being mm-hmm. drawn into the drama, right? Because then you know you, you get into at some point you do start to um, empathize and root for Shuang Zhang Via um, as someone you know as someone who I think it's a common millennial like experience to feel like you're just fucking up your life, right? Boy, yeah. is it. <laughs> Um, I mean, um, this film was written by um, the lead actress, as well as um, Nathan Ramos Park, who's Mm. one of he's one of your writers, right? He is. He is very proud. So, you know, might be a little biased, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a big deal to get something made. And um, I think (laughs) I'm just it is funny because I definitely agree with you about, you know, some of the gay characters, the gay best friend being like underdeveloped. Um, but there were moments where I'm just like, Nathan, Nathan, did you just, did you just, did you just speak into a dictation mic? And like, because <laughs> he is a big personality, you know, um, I just wish they had like, maybe like at least, you know, flush it out. But um, th- he did have Mason, the the gay best friend did have a really fun, sweet moment where he shows up for her mm-hmm. and is like, I'll be your date. And he like acts straight and that. That was a very funny moment. Yeah, that was cute. Um, yeah, and 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 you know the commentary about like this is this is much easier. They're like, oh, do you want to do over the pants stuff? <laughs> I was just, I just like no. Uh, so you know there were some cute moments, some really funny moments for the actors to play. But I guess I guess my question is like, what what needed to happen for it to like bump it up? I, I think mm-hmm. the the conceit of having five blind dates 
kind of worked to its disadvantage, right? Because you needed five blind dates. And so that took away time from like developing the central, like the end game relationship, even though Yosun's character was there mm-hmm. throughout those dates, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They, but again, it was a l- lot of observing. So it wasn't interaction. And so it was hard to build up that chemistry with them. If for some reason he was instrumental in helping her through them, then I would have been like, okay, I see. I see what's going on. And there's the contrast between him and the date, you know, somehow. Yeah. But um, so, I mean, yeah, I I think what the film was missing was a truly toxic yes. date um, yes. that he would save her from in the final act. Um, that would have maybe added well, a little yeah, bit more. Every, every date I expected somehow he would be accidentally there somehow, you know. Um, and instead, it kind of just felt like, no, this is just like almost like regular dating, which is. <laughs> yeah. You you figure out what you do and don't like. So I was just like, this is just weird. Um, I they were so enjoyable, and I do think that they had creativity with the dates. They just didn't incorporate him enough, and the connective well, tissue is, I think, what was missing for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the film was trying to do a lot of things, and mm-hmm. you know, rom coms. There's that you know third act breakup sequence. But for this film, it was with the family, not mm-hmm. with the the love interest, right? I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. Except for again, they didn't really build a love interest, so um, I, I think you know, because basic, yeah, I think because they were trying to build like the dating world, mm-hmm. the dating vertical, and then the family vertical, and mm-hmm. because the nature of the story, and they're like in two separate locations too, right? Like, mm-hmm. like because usually the protagonist has to go back home and like figure her shit out there. In the Christmas, or like, you know, in anyone but you, which I didn't think was that good, but, you know, structurally, they <laughs> are all stuck that. in a house together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like there's a reason why, like, it's set up that there's, they have to be best man, maid of honor, like, stick them mm-hmm. together more. <laughs> right. That's the whole reason to have them be in those roles. Um, I also, I also am fine with them, her actually having five blind dates, just because, um, I'm one of the few people, even though I really love to all the boys I loved before, um, was upset that her all of her letters to all these guys didn't really end up with her dating all of them. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like so it was kind of like almost like a misdirection. Um, and so they just needed to blend the story a little bit better. Yeah, kind of a monkey's paw thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. Because it the film does run a nice tight like 85 minutes, which... Mm-hmm. Yes, please. You know Let's we keep love. it. Keep it tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know what? Maybe maybe cut down on some of the other stuff, like tea. Maybe just downplay the tea. <laughs> I did like the tea parts, though, because as <laughs> as much as it's like kind of snobby, I do think people don't appreciate tea. So did you get all of that? Should. Yeah, I, I okay. have a friend who's really into tea, so okay. I've actually sat through that exact speech. So of like, <laughs> so the. Only other tea thing that I've been exposed to is the uh uh what is it the mystery we just read with Vera Wong's you know um oh the Vera Wong's um unsolicited advice for murderers yeah that was a cute right? book but also had a lot of tea in there so yeah I mean tea making is a very it's like a, yeah. it's an art form and it's you know most of us probably have lived our entire lives and have not drink good tea oh yeah I'm sure I have have had crap tea though. So. Right, because it's like you know, precise temperature control, timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the leaves are all the same; it's the same leaves, but the way you prepare is different. It's, yeah, you know, 
I, I was with her when all these like rando white people were coming and asking her for bubble tea when this obviously was not a bubble tea shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the tea could have been incorporated better again into the story because it did feel like, you know, wacky blind dates and then all of a sudden tea, you know, <laughs> so it's, and it's like they tried a little bit at the wedding to incorporate the conversation about tea and relationships and all that stuff. But I was just like, it's, it feels a little shoehorned in. Um, Maybe she should have been the CEO of a tea corporation. Yeah. And then, and then Yosun's character is the owner of Mom a small and town tea. tea. Are you just doing um, You've Got Mail? Yes, yes, exactly. You're, you've Got Mail in it, Marvin. Just saying, just go all the way with that. Hey, number, there's, right? a, there's a reason why You Got Mail, the original story, has been remade several different times. In different ways. Yes, it is originally called Shop Around the Corner, a play well, I was in at one point. Well, before <laughs> that, yeah, and it was, well, Ernst Lubitsch, but yes, Shop Around the Corner. And so it was a play at first. And so I want to, <laughs> like, um, I, w- I want to know, because I did read a book that was adapted um, from that story, but I was like, I would like to know what a modern shop around the corner. You got mail. Good old sermon time is uh, now. And this could have been it. Maybe there's a new there's another one coming. But um, <laughs> yes, formulas can always be updated when it comes to rom-coms. Yeah. I, I think it would be like uh, like a mom, like a heritage, like market mom and pop place that serves the community. And then like a shoppy shop comes in. Well, what I'd like is if somehow they accidentally got the wrong person online or um, WhatsApp and because like they always have to have some way of communicating where it's anonymous. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out like, what is that aspect of it? Um, uh, I feel like it should be one person works for the Ding Tai Fong corporate <laughs> dumpling chain. And the other one works for like the mom and pop, you know, the mama loose. And it's like, Oh my God, they do everything. Dumpling. by hand. Yeah. yeah. It's only mom and like her and another auntie doing it. <laughs> they have a special formula for this broth. You know, um, love yeah. that. I would watch. Oh no the 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 uh, the the big corporation uses a machine. Oh no, yes, of course you can't. Yeah, we can do the the ratatouille thing where it's like, oh, now <gasps> they're like, because like no shade to the people making you know frozen dumplings. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll out eat there. those Mila things. You know, <laughs> I'll eat. Yeah, it. yeah, so maybe like a ratatouille type thing where you have someone trying to like commercialize yeah. these traditional dumplings. Yeah. So clearly, we needed start up some sort of development um arm for this podcast yeah we can do that <laughs> it's it's a blue sky it's open blue ocean for <laughs> asian themed rom-coms i guess oh yeah just give me any formula and then we can make it asian um yeah i mean at the very least at least she wasn't a journalist this time right oh god oh but i love it when there are journalists or they work for a magazine oh <laughs> that's so early 2000s i love it i literally just saw someone share a meme where it's like rom-coms have me gave me unrealistic expectations about love but then someone else is like rom-coms gave me unrealistic expectations about journalism and i was like yes about about the magazine industry and (laughs) working in working in print (laughs) i mean that is why we love the christmas prince because she is the weirdest worst journalist ever in the world (laughs) she's so bad so unethical oh my god but never change (laughs) it's so bad it's great you know they the producers or the people who did that are do or no princess which are doing Irish wish yes yes and I'm there the for Lindsay it. Lohan film? Yes. the Lindsay Lohan rom com I'm so fucking excited we're back baby we are back <laughs> it is 2003 again yes Irish wish we're down for that um <laughs> so 
I'm excited. All right. So to wrap up our discussion of five blind dates, um, gotta ask, is this film good pop? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not the deepest thing, but you don't need deep. You just want to sometimes put something on while you're like paying your bills or like <laughs> sending out like house emails. And uh, it's great. It's comforting. And honestly, whoever cast this, excellent job. All the dudes, weird, even if they're weird, fucking hot. So good job. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think, oddly enough, it was the romance part that was a little bit the least. But it had so many other things um, besides the hot casting, which, you know, they delivered those five blind dates. Um, And it was actually funny in parts and that is actually something that I don't get a lot in rom-coms is the actual comedy. So that alone for me made it uh, a worthwhile tune in. Yeah, I also think it's good pop. Um, like I mentioned, the 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 first act was a little clunky. But once it gets going, it like like Han says, it it's a very funny film. There's lots of great gags. Um, and, you know, the actors really grow on you. And, you know, Tai Ma again as Dirtbag Dad. <laughs> Yeah, very different dad this time. Really yeah. love that. Very um practical, keeping the eye he's not wrong, you know? Like I I actually very much agree with his like outlook on like marriage and love. <laughs> so so it's always great to see uh, always great to see uh Ty and Desmond and you know John post Kung Fu. Uh he is also actually Australian. So um, you know, I forgot I forget that sometimes. So yes, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, that'll do it for a discussion of five blind dates streaming now on Amazon Prime. Um, check it out. It's worth a watch. Um, as always, before we go, um, uh, Jess Han, can you remind us where we can find you on the internet? Matt Trash Takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And I am at Anonymous uh, everywhere. You can find me on the internet at Marvin Yet. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are, as always, a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian, the American host of the podcast, uh, by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 